Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Business Leaders Radio. Now, here's your host, John Ray. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to Business Leaders Radio. I am John Ray, and folks, we've got a great guest today. I've been looking forward to welcoming Dennis Allen. Dennis is with the Allen Corporation. Dennis, welcome. Thanks, John. I am to be with you today. I'm delighted to have you and your Dennis is also folks, the author of a book called the disciple dilemma. And we'll get more into your book in a second, uh, Dennis, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about you and your work. How are you serving folks out there? Well, my rap sheet goes back uh, about the last 20 years working in turnarounds with uh, corporations. We can talk about that in a minute. Wall Street-backed, private equity fundamentally-backed corporations. So you yeah. have Wall Street buying up corporations, and inevitably something gets busted, broke, or doesn't work very well, and they need help. And um, so I'm, as we joked earlier before the show, I'm I'm the dirty diapers guy that gets a chance to go in and become an employee and and uh, act as a CEO of the corporation and help them get their leadership pointed in a good direction. That's, so that's been the last 20 years of my life. And before that, I uh, grew up in the Southeast. My parents um, are Georgia farmers, North and South Georgia. So I've got mm. peach farming in the front North end of it. And I've got peanut farmers in the South in my life and uh, married to a beautiful bride, Karen. I've got two kids that don't call home enough. And uh, I've enjoyed a career in the military and, and now out in the business world. So uh, talk about your journey. I mean, how did you get into corporate turnarounds and what, what lights your fire about corporate turnarounds? I was uh, working in a major international electronics company doing avionics work for airplanes, building black boxes that go in inside uh, airliners. And we started doing a little merger and acquisition work. And, and as we started doing that, I thought, gee, this is really interesting. And I started latching on to some people who were willing to uh, I call them torment me, but I guess the formal word is mentor me. So torment, mentor. <laughs> and they would uh, they would actually pour into me a lot about their thinking. I think they had a fantastic philosophical view about what they believed about life and meaning and purpose, but they also were fantastic business folks. And they taught me the fundamentals of how to put businesses together, the culture and the art of putting businesses together. And so after doing a buy-up or two, I got approached by some headhunters who said, hey, we've got this busted company and we need some help. Are you willing to come in and do that? And I thought, well, gee, that can't be very hard, can it? I mean, just go fix a couple of things and, and life's good. And oh my goodness, what a surprise that was. But wow, what a wild ride. What a chance to connect with people and what a wonderful opportunity to help learn a lot more about business. Now, you are not... Uh, there's got to be something special in your constitution to say that's a great opportunity to get into what can be an awfully dysfunctional situation when you're talking about companies that are in need of turnarounds, right? I mean, so what is it in your constitution that says, hey, I see this as an opportunity? My wife would say it's attention deficit disorder. <laughs> um, I, I think the major piece of the puzzle is do you really care about the people in your organization enough so you can learn who are they, what are they, how can they serve the organization, the mission of the organization? And if you if you really are willing to take the time, the effort to get to know people, really, this is kind of the secret sauce in Dennis's world. It is you learn who the good people are. And as Jim Collins would say, put them in the right seats on the bus mm -hmm. and get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Just 
get out of the way. You go off and do what CEOs do, which is pontificate on donuts and think a little bit about what's the next thing that we ought to be talking about for the marketing campaigns. But the reality is the human beings that we have in these organizations are the key to unlocking the potential and the turnarounds that you face. Putting people in places where they are going to succeed. Crucial. Absolutely crucial. And I, I think the scarce commodity of time that our society takes away from all of us today and says, you don't have any of it Mm -hmm. is the secret ingredient for every leader in every organization, small or large, to be able to help their employees learn who they are and why they are there and how all this contributes to making a business successful. And what, what, how do you do that? I mean, I think a lot of leaders want to do that, but maybe they don't know how to judge, right? I mean, maybe they, and, and sure, maybe they don't take the time, but when they have those conversations, how do you know, um, those folks that are that are keepers, those folks that are maybe defending the status quo more than they're really trying to get to a solution on what all these problems are. I mean, how do you judge people in those circumstances, Dennis? Well, I think some people are innately equipped. They've got an outstanding ability to look through somebody's soul and know what kind of person this is, what kind of character this is, what kind of motivations this person has. I'm not actually one of those kind of people, but I think as every leader should be equipped, do you have wingmen? Do you have people who are alongside you in the journey, whether they are close confidants inside your business, members of your board, good friends that you can talk to who can help you see around the weaknesses you have and being able to help understand people, human beings, and the real intractable problems that we all face Mm -hmm. as leaders in businesses? The, The secret sauce that I have seen as a common script in every broken business I've been involved with is people are at the core of the problem. And until you are willing to invest the time and the effort to work with, help motivate or reset or replace some of those people who don't want to be a part of that, those people are the success and the formula for all of us to make our businesses thrive. I was going to ask you about the common element for businesses that need to turn? Is it just people being in the wrong spots, people being mismanaged? Yes. And sometimes that's just a person who is uh, on the board of directors. You might have the wrong person in the board. They've got the wrong direction, the wrong thought, the wrong inclinations toward a business, or it may be the wonderful people on the factory floor who just have never been trained or developed or worked. That common element though, comes back to this point. Are leaders doing what leaders do? I don't mean management. We should explore that maybe. Not management, but are they leading as leaders? And have you given the people who are working for you out there an understanding of who you are, what the DNA of the corporation is, what the mission of the business is, and how we make this organization successful? Most folks don't put that kind of time in. They keep thinking, I'm supposed to put out fires, not lead people. It's exactly the opposite. So you have written a book called The Disciple Dilemma. Talk about that book and why you decided to write it and what it's all about. Yeah, so here's uh, here's the ADD coming out of me again, John. The, The book, which we titled The Disciple Dilemma, is actually not about disciples at all. For those of you who don't know exactly what a disciple is, 
It's a Greek term that means a follower, someone who's following behind someone else as a mentor, typically associated with the Judeo-Christian religions, but there are disciples in all manners of life. We wrote the book because we wanted to talk to leaders about culture. And we said in the book, the thesis of the book is this, American culture, both Christian culture and business culture, has been hijacked by a virus that goes back 1,800 years, and it's screwed up the way that we as leaders think about our organizations. Now, we talk about businesses in the book, and we talk about churches in the book, and we don't want anybody to feel like we're attacking them, but we want everybody to realize the process of being a leader means being able to see what's going on around us in our culture and society and how it's dismantling or diluting our people so that we can start rebuilding who we're supposed to be, the mission of the organization. That's why we wrote the book. And one of the things that you talk about in the book is icebergs, right? Yep. We do talk about icebergs. You want, <laughs> so, you want to unpack the icebergs? I, I don't think any, yeah. I don't think anybody was expecting to be asked that question. So I, I'm just going to leave that there. I want you to talk about icebergs and wh- what that has to do with being a disciple. When you think about the idea of being in an organization, let's say that you are the leader. Right? Your, your network listens for leadership and they, they talk about leadership and they're involved in leadership. We're sailing on this boat, which is our life, and we're leaders, and we're moving through our time and our life, and suddenly we see an iceberg ahead of us. And what I want to talk about as a metaphor is that this iceberg has what you can see on the surface and above, and it looks huge, and then there's something underneath the surface, and it's even larger, and Mm. it's actually the cause of what you see on the surface. So there's two aspects that we talk about here. One is the symptoms that are destroying organizations, destroying our society in some respects, if we want to think globally about this, but helping to also destroy people's understanding of who they are. These are symptoms, and those symptoms are real, and we see them. And a lot of times, we chase symptoms. We chase Mm. symptoms in business a lot of times, and it's, in a way, really fulfilling. It's like firefighting is a term we use a lot. You know, it's fun to fight fires, man. You're the hero. You roll in with the big hose. You put out the fire. Everybody, oh, you're my hero. But what you've done is you put out the flame, but you didn't put out the source of the fire. And underneath the organization, in the symptoms, the metaphor of the iceberg, are the causes, root causes that are destroying organizations. They're destroying success, or they're holding you back if you think you're doing okay. They're limiting us because of the way society has induced these causes in our organizations, whether it's a turnaround corporation or a church, and the disciples, or in this case, the employees, are being suboptimized. We're replicating fragile, brittle disciples because of the causes, but we're chasing the symptoms on the iceberg. Yeah, I love that metaphor. And I think it's what it really gets to is, I think the power in that metaphor is just, uh, uh, one is, is that the mass underneath the water is much bigger than what's above. And like you said, no matter how big what you see above is, the mass is always larger below. And sometimes that iceberg is silent, right? I mean, a lot of times it is. It moves silently and sometimes um, lethally um, um, toward that boat that we're all in. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, I think an area that you spend a lot of time in is working with businesses on their 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 profitability. And um, you know, I've, I've stalked you a little bit, John, when I was <laughs> when I was uh, getting ready to come on with you. And I, you know, I, I see that one of the things that you say, which is so profound, and so few entrepreneurs get it right, is if you can do something to change favorably what you charge for your services, mm-hmm. that hit on the revenue going up leverages that bottom line so much more than chasing inventory or trying to cut heads or deal with co- that stuff's fine and necessary. But mm-hmm. the point is a lot of times we get into the symptom. Oh, I've got to reduce my costs and get rid of these little tiny incremental pieces that, that contribute, you know, tenths and hundreds of a percent impact on the bottom line mm-hmm. rather than work the real cause, which is you need a better flow through your income statement from top to bottom. That's a, that's sort of a symptom versus cause that you use in your business consulting. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time as leaders getting hyper-focused, target fixated on these symptoms. Now, target fixation is a big thing in the aviation industry because if you get fixated on the target and you follow the target all the way to the ground, that's not a good outcome, right? We don't want to chase a symptom. We want to chase the causes. And that's the important piece in leadership. Can you differentiate between symptom and cause and help your people see that and chase it? And back to leadership and people and organizations and, and turnarounds and trying to, uh, get people rolling in the same direction. A lot of times people on the ground, they see the difference between symptoms and causes, right? I mean, they see that and they don't understand why their leadership doesn't. Oh my goodness. What a great point you're making. It's amazing. If you do undercover boss and you walk out (laughs) and hang out with the folks in your businesses, because you will gain so much wisdom to see the real world. What's it like when your customer actually picks up the phone and talks to your people? What's it like when the product rolls off the manufacturing floor? What's it like to experience the service that you're trying to offer as a business from the customer's point of view? And if you can talk to your employees, if you can experience time with them, and certainly with customers as well, but if you can be alongside your employees, you know, folks, you're going to learn so much about the real world where sitting in your oxygen-free ivory tower, you're just not going to see it. You're not going to experience it. And you're going to think the world's fine when, in fact, the symptoms are emerging and the causes are doing just fine wrecking what you're doing. Mm. Folks, we're here chatting with Dennis Allen. Dennis, Dennis's company is the Allen Corporation. Dennis is also the author of The Disciple Dilemma. Um, Dennis, let's talk about management traps that you identify. We've got a series of assertions in the Disciple Dilemma book. Folks, if you're if you're interested in seeing how we think about this, you can you can see our, our website, which is thediscipledilemma.com. But these traps that we put out as a conversation piece are the things that destroy a leader and convert them into something we call a manager. Mm. Now, I don't want anybody getting upset because I use the word manager in what sounded like a derogatory way. We need managers. We need great management. Management is an incredibly important thing for us because that's the machinery in motion, and we've got to keep that machinery running well. However, comma, leaders. To borrow the quote from Drucker, the manager is concerned with the idea of, am I climbing the ladder fast enough for the organization? The leader 
is actually supposed to step back and say, do I even have the ladder leaning against the right wall? That's an old Peter Drucker quote, right? Management's about climbing the ladder faster, but the leader's got to define where's the ladder leaning so that when we get to the top, we're going to go, oh, well, that's not where I wanted to go, but you sure got up there quickly. You spent <laughs> a lot of money, right? So the trap for us as leaders, we talked about this in, in the book, but we think this is a really common problem in corporate life, in social life in America, in service life, in small business life, mid, mid-sized corporations and big corporations is leaders becoming distracted from assisting their people to be who they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Leaders becoming managers when they're supposed to be leaders. Most of your life, folks, if you are the head of an organization, you need to be leading, not managing. And when we lose that, we get trapped in the symptoms. You're locked into the symptoms and you're not working the causes. So that's a set of traps. And there's actually just a a batch of these. I, I listed six. And John, if you want to kick those around, we can get into them. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, let's go. Let me try a couple of these out. I yeah. think there's a lot of traffic today. If you if you listen to business journals, great podcasts like this with John, if you if you read Wall Street Journal and so on with ideas of quiet quitters, remote hounds, wage demanders, digital, FOMO, there's all these terms, right? We should unpack some of those. But at the at the bottom line, when you hire someone, when you bring someone in your organization, usually you're bringing in someone who's there for the paycheck mm-hmm. and the benefits. That's why they come to work. And of course, that's a wonderful thing. We want families to have paychecks and we want them to have benefits. But leaders, your job is to convert them from a benefit wanter, paycheck getter into someone who is driven and motivated to the mission of the organization that you hired them into. The trap is hire them throw them out there, hope it all works out really well. And what you end up with are quiet quitters. People who are shopping like the 48% today who are looking around saying, I don't think I want to stay in the job that I'm in today. That's a statistic that we see floated today. New York Times, Wall Street Journal survey recently kicked that one around. So Mm -hmm. we want to get away from hiring benefit and paycheck wanters. We want them to want those, but we want to convert them into people who say, I am driven to serve the mission of the organization that John hired me to be a part of. That's one. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. This one kind of ties onto that. Uh, We call it hire faster. The last ones that we didn't train have already left. Um, So here's an example. I I stepped into a turnaround situation. Stepped in is unfair. I spent three months really taking a hard look at the business. But when I got there, the turnover on an annual basis for the organization was 360%. Oh, wow. So folks, what that means, if you convert that just to practicals is for every person you hire, 3.6 people will leave that one job in a year. So 360% turnover rate. Mm. The reason that most of the Generation Zs are walking out on jobs today, according to the folks who study this, are that you don't know who I am. You don't care who I am. I don't know why you want me to do what I do. And I really don't feel like what I'm doing matters to my world or even to me. When you think about those kind of things, 
That's a failure, not of the person coming in the door. That's not the Generation Z person's fault. That's leadership failure. That is an abject failure of leadership to spend the time and the effort bringing someone alongside that person to say, what you do matters, whether you're driving a truck or whether you're dealing with strategic plans or you're doing surgery in a surgery suite, until that person realizes who they are, why they are, and what they're supposed to be doing to make the world a better place, if you can't convey that, get ready for the churn. It's going to hurt. Truth telling from Dennis Allen, folks. Um, what you're getting to is, I think a lot of people criticize the Gen Z generation, millennials, what have you. Um, for me, it's a little old. Uh, and I think you put the your finger right on it. It's like sometimes we need to look, us folks with gray hair need to look in the mirror. Oh, boy. Yes, do we ever. My my kids are fond of reminding me that I'm somewhat fossilized in the way that I look <laughs> at the universe. And I take that with the greatest of love, and I'm sure they meant it well. But, I mean, the reality is I don't want to be, um, for, for those of you who can't see this because this is an audio podcast, I am a male, I'm very stale, and I'm very pale, right? And so if you categorize that in, in sort of the social constructs today, people say, okay, you're grouchy, you're polarized, and you're a problem. The reality is, as a disciple of Christ, as a leader in a business, my job is not to be that grouchy curmudgeon. My mm. job is to be someone who comes alongside other people and said, I'm looking around the corner, and I think we've got a better way to go. The bridge is out on this road. Let's go in a different direction. And you matter in making this organization wonderful. You matter making all the other people in this organization know who they are. And you matter in the success of the organization. If we old guys can listen to the young folks tell us their stories and unpack those and then turn around and say, now let me tell you the story of this organization, you see so much unity beginning to emerge in society. And that's what we lack so much today is the ability to unify our society. We're not going to do that by saying we got the Democrats and Republicans. We got the, the Gen Zs and we got the baby boomers. We've mm -hmm. got the name your name your polarization, right? The ethnic problems, the racial problems that we're dealing with, the social tensions. If all we're really doing is trying to redefine all those problems and say, yeah, those exist, but we're going to go out, we're going to manufacture widgets. You're not going anywhere. Mm. If the flip side is we're family, we're team, we're all together as a part of this, and we're going to run this race together and you matter in making this happen. Suddenly the higher, faster, the last guys we didn't train aren't leaving become higher, slower, because the people who are here are highly motivated and they want even better with what they're doing and the people who come aboard to join them in what they're doing. That's important. Yeah, I love that. Dennis Allen, folks, with the Allen Corporation, he's the author of The Discipline Dilemma. Uh, Dennis, I would love it if you don't mind sharing a success story, one that uh, you don't have to mention names, of course, but uh, a story that illustrates the great work you do and uh, these principles at work. Well, John, in full disclosure, uh, the great work I do is actually the great work that people do. And I just happen to be a guy who gets to watch all this happen. And I mean that in the most sincere way. Here's a story that I think is really wonderful. You, you or anyone else could do this as well. I think if we follow the principles of discipleship, Folks, if you don't know what that is, email John and tell him you want to talk about that and get that conversation going. Um, 
But this idea of people really matter. From a Christian ethos, the concept is people are made in the image of God. They call it the Imago Dei, which means every single human being matters, is important, has purpose, and has meaning. Now, let me take you to the success stories that that, uh, John was just referencing. Um, I really enjoyed joining an organization. It was an international plumbing distribution corporation, uh, third largest in the nation and probably in the top 10 worldwide, distributing all sorts of components and parts. So distribution business. The business had been running flat on EBITDA. If you don't know what that is, basically think bottom line. But Mm -hmm. the business had been running flat on EBITDA for a number of years. The CEO was really struggling to do anything different. If if uh, if he was going to make a change, it just wasn't apparent. And the private equity group just called one day and they said, look, uh, we met you online. We want you to come give us a hand. We need to take the CEO out, put, put you in. We want you to run alongside these people. So I joined the organization. And what I found was an organization that had become power-centric. We use a term, kiss the ring. Uh, another phrase for that would be power makes everything better. So what had happened was the organization had become very brittle at the top. You come in, you kiss the ring, you lay your pleas and requests on the leadership of the organization. And if we like what we hear from you, we'll pat you on the head and send you out the door and tell you you're doing a good job. But what they weren't doing was pouring the motivation and mission and life into these people. So what had happened was the stock in the organization had gone completely underwater. Everybody who had stock in that corporation and much of their 401k and much of their retirement was tied up in the stock Mm. was underwater, worthless, not going anywhere. And as John, you would know, private equity shops don't like permanent holdings in corporations. They want to turn them every five, 10 years and uh, try to upgrade them, make them better and then, and then sell them. Sure. And so we were on the clock. And so when I got there, I told them, look, here's the deal. I think we've got good people here. But they don't know why they're here, and they don't know what they're supposed to do. We're going to have to spend some time untangling that. I think it's going to take us four years to get the culture of the business turned around. And I think you're going to have to write me a check for $10 bucks to help do that. And everybody swallowed hard, and they said, well, can we do it for $3 million? Can we do it in six months? And so on and so forth. And we finally agreed it was probably four years, and it was probably going to cost about $10 million to do the things that needed to be done to help the mechanics of the business alongside the people of the business convert culture change is a long game, right? Mm. Um, as has been the case in my experience, those three and four and five year experiences, this one snapped in about two and a half years to people running in, wanting to buy the business, keep the employees, expand the corporation and the joy of watching people who thought their retirements were wrecked, now suddenly their stock was coming out of the water, not only just a little bit, but like, think two and three and four times their salaries, right, as stock that had been in the water, underwater, meaning no value for 10, 12 years. So it was great watching them figure out what they needed to do. And as you said before, John, many of them already knew exactly what we needed to do with customers mm-hmm. and service and operations and marketing to get out of their way and to let them run and to make this happen and change their world. That was a blast to watch that happen. Wow. What tremendous work. Uh, Dennis Allen folks, uh, the Allen corporation, again, author of the disciple dilemma, uh, Dennis, wow, this has been great. And, uh, you have, uh, what tremendous work you do have been doing. We're just honored. We could help, celebrate that and get the word out on what you do. Congratulations on that. Before we let you go though, 
I've got to ask the most important question, which is for those that would like to get in touch and learn more about you and what you do and how maybe you could help them. How can they do that? Reach out to us at www.thedisciplesdilemma.com. You can find the same thing, Disciple Dilemma, on YouTube, Instagram, all the typical social media places. And uh, you can track our journey of how mentors work and how you help people rise up and serve and make things a whole lot better, both socially in our societies and in our businesses. Tremendous. Dennis Allen, folks. The Allen Corporation, again, the author of The Disciple Dilemma. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. John, if anybody's really mad about anything I've said today, it's on you because you let me on the broadcast. <laughs> thanks for your ministry. Thanks for the work you do in Atlanta. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you saying that. And you know what? They just, they're going to need to dig into the book a little bit. I think that what they'll do is they'll come around to your way of thinking. So uh, thank you again, Dennis. You're the best. Appreciate you. Thanks, John. Hey, folks, uh, just a quick reminder, if you'd like to see past episodes of this show series, businessleadersradio.com is the URL. We're part of the Business Radio X network, and we appreciate your support of our show. Our, the show's grown because of you and your support and, and listenership and because you've passed it on. So if you've heard something here that makes you want to share the show, please continue to do that. Um, it's how we celebrate the great work of business leaders like Dennis and all the other folks that we've had on this show over the years. So if you could help us help them, we'd greatly appreciate it. So for my guest, Dennis Allen, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Business Leaders Radio.